Well, good morning, Adam Brook. <laughs> it's good to be here with you. Um, if you're a guest, I, I want to give you a warm welcome. Hey, we're just glad you're here. This is your first time. So glad that you chose to, to check us out. And uh, if you're watching online, I do want to say, hey, we're glad you're tuned in uh, as well. Um, just one quick plug. Uh, I would like to encourage all of us to consider uh, being part of a, of a community group um, this winter season. Uh, we have awesome community group of leaders who want to pray with you and um, just help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. These community groups are kind of like small groups. Uh, where you can get together, study God's word together, pray, encourage one another, just be a great benefit to you. And so if, if you're um, considering signing up for one, please pick up a community group brochure on your way out today. It'll have all the offerings uh, of groups that you could sign up for. But I know we have some leaders who would just love to invest in your life. Um, so please consider that. I'd love to see every single one of us be a part of a community group uh, this winter. Um, but... Uh, I'd ask you to pray for that. We've been in this series called uh, Experiencing the Goodness of God. And the, the, this is based on something the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, where he says, we get knocked down, but we get back up. And what if that were true for you? What if that were true for your family? What if any time you face discouragement or the hard things that take place in this life, you knew you had such a confidence in the goodness of God that no matter what struck, you were able to get back up with hope, with confidence that you would see the goodness of God in your life and in your family. Um, you know, I, I'm going to admit to you something, though. I, I don't always have the kind of faith in the goodness of God that I know I should have. I just want to be honest. There are days where I really do struggle to trust in the goodness of God as it's presented in God's word. Um, I still get anxious and worry about things that I'm told I shouldn't be anxious about or that I shouldn't worry about. I deal with insecurities that would probably shock many people uh, who don't know me very well. Um, and friends, I still have a hard time some days believing that God loves me and cares for me like the Bible says. It's one of the reasons I do love 2 Corinthians 5.17. It is an amazing passage. It says this, the Apostle Paul, as we're working through 2 Corinthians. He says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. And I, I, I love this passage. And in one... On one hand, it encourages my life, but I got to be honest, on the other hand, I don't fully understand it because if that's true, if, if I'm a new creation, why do I still have the struggles that I have in my life? And why do I still find myself wrestling and struggling against sin in my life? I'm just going to tell you a story I haven't told anyone else, so don't tell my mom, okay? <laughs> Uh, but many years ago, uh, I went with some, some college buddies out to Colorado where we did some camping. And we were camping out there, and we got hot. It was, you know, it was a, it was a hot uh, season out there. And so we wanted to go swimming. Uh, we were looking for a, a pool where we could just go cool off somewhere, but we didn't have a lot of money. Um, but there was this hotel that was in the area, this real fancy hotel. And we thought, 
What if we snuck through the lobby of this hotel and snuck into their pool area? Now, we knew it was probably going to be for paying guests only, um, but we thought it's, it's worth a shot. So we go to this fancy hotel, and we sneak through the lobby. Of course, we're drawing curious looks because, I mean, we're dirty you know, <laughs> campers. Uh, but we're able to get through the lobby, and we make a right-hand turn, I remember, and then there was the pool area. And it was one of these pool areas where you had to have like a card key, you know, a room key in order to get into. And someone was coming out when my friend books it towards the door. And he's able to get his foot in between the door just before it closes. Well, as he's doing that, uh, one of the staff uh, employees starts walking down the hallway, sees us, and just kind of casually says, Hey, are you guys uh, hotel guests here? This pool's for, for guests only. And I mean, all three of us wearing our what would We had this all planned out. Now, already, we are breaking, you know, two of the big (laughs) Ten Commandments. We're stealing. We know we're not supposed to be in this pool. We're not paying customers. And we're already lying about it. But so far, so good. So we run, and we jump in the pool, and we start splashing around when three hotel staff members um, come storming in. And the largest one of the group says, hey, what's your room number? We didn't have one. Said, this is for hotel guests only. We all said, we didn't know. <laughs> we, we had no idea. I mean, isn't that true when you've already lied? Now you have to tell more lies to cover up your previous lies. And they said, listen, you're going to either get out of the water or we're going to call the police. And so we had to get out of the water. I mean, dripping wet, they... They took us into the lobby where we had to go into this office, and we had to fill out a report, and then they said, don't ever come back. Friends, we were ashamed. I mean, we were all Bible students, and, you know, we were driving out of that place. We never said a word about it. That's how ashamed we were. We've still never said a word about it to this day. Now, a year later, I'm buying a, 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 a kayak from someone online. And it's on a Sunday, and so I'm going to pick up this kayak. I go to the ATM because, you know, the banks are closed, and I'm $20 short of what the ATM will let me take out. I need another $20, and I don't have it. So I meet up with this guy. I'm like, listen, I'm $20 short for this kayak, but if we can just make this transaction, I promise, as soon as I get $20, i will put it in the mail and send it to you. Reluctantly, this guy hands over the, the kayak, thinking I'm never going to see that $20, but he just wants to get rid of it. And so I, I go home, but as soon as I have the money, I put it in an envelope, I send it his way. Two weeks later... I get this note from him. He says this. He says, Brent, I just received the money. I never thought I'd see the $20 in a million years. It means a lot to me and my family. And then he says this. You are one righteous dude. (laughs) The year before, I am the villain, right? The next year, I am one righteous dude. I'm a walking contradiction. Friends, I got to tell you, I've been a pastor now for about 10 years, and I have many pastor friends, some who are pastor, you know, in very high places. And one thing I've learned, one thing I know is that we all struggle with sin. Every one of us, we all struggle with sin. 
It's a problem in all our lives. I don't care who that author of that book that you read, that book, that spiritual book that just changed your life, that author struggles with sin. Even the Pope <laughs> struggles with sin. He actually said at his commencement, I am a sinner, but I trust in the mercy of Jesus Christ. Friends, I don't care who it is you think of, everyone struggles with sin. It's why the Bible says this, 1 John 1.8, if we claim to be without sin, listen to this, we deceive ourselves. If you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourself. We deceive ourselves. And he says the truth is not in us. We all struggle with sin. James 3.2 says this, we all make many mistakes, many, many, many mistakes. We all sin. So why in the world then would the Apostle Paul say, if any was in Christ, they are a new creation, if we all still struggle with sin? Well, let's go back to that verse. The Apostle Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, one of the things he tells us is the old has gone. Now, notice the key here. If anyone is in Christ, he doesn't say if anyone comes to church. By the way, I am glad you are here this morning. It is cold outside. Way to go. Getting outside, getting into your car so you could be here this morning. This is an indication of your faith and what God is doing in your life, but that's not what the Apostle Paul says. He doesn't say if anyone comes to church. He doesn't say if anyone prays a lot. And say if anyone gets baptized, even though that's great, these are all indicators and fruits of our faith. But what he says is if anyone is in Christ, means Christ is in our life. We have a relationship with Jesus. He says the old has gone. So what's gone exactly? I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. If you want to write these out in your handout, you can. But just a few things that are gone first are separation from God is gone. I'm no longer separated from God in Christ. The Bible says that we are sinners, and as a result, that separates us from God. But friends, this is why Jesus came. Jesus came so that when we put our faith in him for the forgiveness of sin, you and I can be, using language the Bible would use, be reconciled back into a relationship with God. In fact, Paul says this a few verses later in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, he says, For God made Christ who never sinned. So the only one who has never sinned is Jesus. He said, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. That's why Jesus could be our offering. That's why he could be the sacrifice for our sin is because he never sinned. Why? So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Okay? So the first thing that's gone when I'm in Christ is separation from God. I'm now in a right relationship with God. You are in a right relationship with God. And, and this is based entirely on what Jesus Christ has done, with, done for us through his person, through his being perfect and his sacrifice on the cross. The second thing that's gone is the penalty for sin. You know, I, I love what Peter says. He says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. By his wounds, we are healed. Did you catch that? Jesus carried our sins in his body, our past sins, our present sins. But don't miss this. He also carried your future sins in his body on the cross. He paid your penalty for you. What that means for your life if you are in Christ, you don't ever have to worry about God punishing you. 
Now, God will correct you. Okay? He does this by convicting us. He'll sometimes even use our circumstances to correct us and get us back on the path he has for us. But he will never punish you. Punishment is to harm you. Punishment is an end in of itself. God will correct us, but he always does it for our greater good. And so when you are in Christ, you don't ever have to worry about God punishing you because Jesus has already paid it all. He took our sin. He took the penalty. It means he paid our eternal death for us. That's why we don't have to fear death. And we have the promise of eternal life. He took our penalty for us. But another thing that's gone is also bondage to sin. Now, sin is still present in our lives, but it has lost its power. This is what Paul means in Romans 6.6 6 when he says this, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Friends, we don't have to be slaves to sin in Christ. When, when Christ is in our life, because of the power we have in Christ, you and I, we don't have to be enslaved. We can now choose whether we're going to sin or not. We have that option available to us. Doesn't mean it won't come without a fight, but it is now something possible for us to do. We can now overcome addictions. We can overcome sinful patterns and habits in our life because we are in Christ. You can think of it this way. It's like you're sitting in this prison cell, but when you are in Christ, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, that cell door swings open. And you can either choose to stay sitting in that prison cell or you can choose to get up and you can walk out, okay? But now you have the choice. The option is yours um, when you have Christ in your life, okay? So separation from God is gone. Penalty for sin is gone. Bondage to sin is gone. But notice what I didn't say is gone. What isn't gone is our sin nature. You and I still have a sin nature in us, meaning we still have a propensity predisposition to sin. And by the way, this is something you and I are born with. And this is just natural for us. Being selfish. Just natural for us. Envy. No one has to teach us how to envy. Lose our contentment. Being vindictive. I mean, these are just all things that we are naturally inclined to do. If you don't believe me, because I mean, I know our, what our culture says. Our culture says we are generally born good. Friends, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we have a sin nature, that we have this predisposition to do things that are wrong, that we're born with that. And if you need proof of that, just hang out with some kids for a while. Now, we love our kids, but we see this in our children. You know, uh, I remember when, when Logan and Michaela, those are my kids, they're tw twins, they were about one or two years old, and um, Logan was reading this book or looking at the pictures in this book that Michaela wanted. And she's sitting right next to him, and I'm watching all this unfold, and she keeps trying to take the book from him, and Logan won't let it go. So finally, Michaela picks up a bigger book, and I'm thinking, great, she's going to just read a book and forget about it. That's not what she does. She takes this bigger book and hits her brother over the head with it. And when he comes to, she's got the book. Friends, no one taught her that. She had never seen that in anyone else. She just knew how to get what she wanted. 
Friends, it's something that you and I are born with. You know, you can see a little baby who's born completely helpless. They can't take care of themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't clean themselves. In fact, if no one was there to take care of them, they would die. And then 36 months later, that baby will put, that child will put its hand on its hip and tell its mother to get out of its life. Right? I mean, babies come out of the chute just self-centered, life-sucking little monsters. <laughs> it's true. We all come out that way. This is what the Bible teaches. We don't have to be taught these things. We, we just naturally know how to want to be first in line. We just naturally get upset, seething mad, in traffic. We, we, we're just naturally lustful in inappropriate ways. I mean, friends, this is stuff we all deal with. And so it raises this question. I mean, if we have this sin nature in us and that hasn't left us, what exactly is it that God expects from you and me? Because he's telling us quite clearly we're not going to be morally perfect in this life. So then what is it that God expects? Well, I want to show you something real quick. You're going to see this dot up here. Friends, that represents your moment of salvation. If you are in Christ, there was a specific time where, as Jesus says, you crossed over from death to life, where you came into that relationship with God through Jesus. Okay? That was your moment of salvation. Now, the second dot, this represents heaven. This is when you and I step into eternal life. Uh, it's the moment, as the Bible says, where um, we enter into this place where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, and there's also no more sin. That's when our sin nature is finally dealt with. But the question is, what do we do in between that? What, what, what's taking place in between the moment of salvation and when we enter into eternal life to be with Jesus? Well, friends, what God wants us to do in that time is to grow spiritually. This is a time of spiritual growth. And, and as you see these lines, what you'll notice, it kind of looks like the stock market a little bit. Okay? Because these high points, these peaks, those represent the days where I'm feeling pretty good about myself, right? I mean, I feel like in general, I'm, I'm, I'm in God's will, I'm walking in the Spirit, I mean, and I feel like I'm doing what God has called me and wants me to do. But there's also dips. Those are the dips, those are the days I feel like an absolute failure and just feel like I'm disappointing God and I'm disappointing myself and others. And we all deal with that, even after we become believers. But I want you to notice something. Do you notice that the general pattern of our life is one in which it's moving upward? This is what God wants us to do. He knows we're going to have struggles, but he wants us to grow spiritually, to grow in our character, to grow in our conduct. He knows we're never going to be perfect, but the hope is that I would be a better person today than I was five years ago. That I'd be a better husband, that I'd be a better father, a better pastor than I was five years ago. And friends, I'm seeing this in certain areas of my life. You know, one of the, the things I've struggled with is just being a patient person. I'm a person who tends to get upset in traffic. And in fact, there was a time in my marriage where my wife didn't even want to be in the car with me because I did so much yelling, getting upset at other cars. But about three months ago, uh, I realized, wow, God, you are really doing a work in my life. 
I was driving down the road, minding my own business, and there are all these open lanes when this car, I mean, cuts me off, gets right in my lane. I have to slam on my brakes, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? There's all these other lanes. Normally, I would have lost it. I didn't do that. I got into the other lane, and I prayed for this person's lost dark soul. (laughs) Friends, I got to tell you, for me, that was a sign of spiritual growth. For you, it might look different. And even as I grow, I, I realize there's new challenges and new things that pop up into my life that I have to deal with. But what God's asking us to do is to continue growing, even when we have the dips in our life. And so the question I want to ask you this morning, where do you want to be in five years? You know, what area of your life would you like to see changed and like to be better in five years? Well, I got to tell you, if we're going to change, if we're going to grow, there's some things we're going to have to do on our part. You and I are going to have to fight against sin tendencies and fight against that old nature in our life. And so with the rest of the time we have, I just want to suggest two strategies for growing spiritually in your life and fighting against sin. First, we've got to feed the good and we've got to starve the bad. I've got to feed the good, that new nature that God has given me, and I've got to starve out the old, the bad nature. Um, and if you're wondering what the bad is, the, the, the Bible makes it very clear. Paul says this in Galatians 5. He says, the acts of the flesh or the old nature, the sinful nature, he says they're obvious. It's sexual immorality. It's impurity. It's lustful pleasures. Think lustful thoughts here. It's idolatry. It's sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. That was me. Selfish ambition, dissension, division. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. But then he goes on to say this. In the next verse, he says, No one who does these things will share, listen to this, don't miss this, in the blessings of God's kingdom. Friends, if you just remain in these things, you're going to miss out on the blessings of God's kingdom. In fact, it's going to raise the question for some of us, if I just remain in these kinds of sin, meaning we all sin, but if it's just a continual habit, in pattern in my life? It's going to raise the question, have I really invited Christ into my life? I really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then in the next verse, Paul goes on to say, these are the the good things that come with the, the new self. It's the fruits of the Spirit, like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, just being a good person faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what we want to do is we want to starve the bad and I want to feed things like love, joy, and peace in my life. Because isn't this true? Whatever you starve dies and whatever you feed lives. Whatever you starve dies, right? It loses its power. It becomes weaker in your life. But whatever you feed grows healthy and strong. Um, one of my weaknesses has been over the years has been fast food. Uh, it's something and just junk food in general. I love junk food. Um, you know, it's kind of raised on it. And uh, when I first got married, Danielle and I would eat junk food uh, just, I mean, every day we, we were eating stuff we, we probably shouldn't have been eating. 
In fact, one of my first dates I ever took Danielle on was to Kentucky Fried Chicken. And uh, I think that's why she might have married me, honestly, because she loves junk food as much as I do. The problem is it started to take a toll on our health. And at some point, we began to realize, like, this is like, <laughs> this is like hurting us. We started to just feel sick all the time. We were losing our energy levels. And um, finally, a friend heard about this, and he said, listen, you've got to change up your diet, man. And he actually went out and bought us some new foods, some proteins and, and some vegetables. And he said, I'm going to give you this challenge. And here was his challenge. He challenged us to give up junk food for 30 days, okay, and to start eating these healthier foods. And I got to tell you, at first, it was hard. I realized how weak <laughs> I was. All right, I would see the golden arches, and man, it was a battle. I had just learned that if you ask them, they will actually take Big Mac sauce and put it on a double cheeseburger for you, and it was like this new love of mine, and so I, I really struggled, like, driving past these fast food places, and that went on for about two weeks, but then something miraculous happened. As I started eating these healthier foods, I started feeling better, and I started experiencing the benefits of that. And I started to lose my desire for the bad stuff. It, the, the, its power over me began to weaken. I began to want more and more of the healthy stuff and less and less of the junk food to the point where today I, I rarely eat any fast food. As long as you don't consider Chick-fil-A and Cane's chicken, all right, fast food. But I really don't. The other stuff, I really don't eat a lot of junk food today because I've experienced the benefits of eating healthy stuff. It just made me feel better. I could think better, feel better, even just emotionally. It's because whatever we starve dies, and, and whatever we feed, it lives. And my question for you is, what in your life do you maybe need to start starving out? Is there anything in your life you need to start starving out? I was just reading an article in Time magazine. It was about uh, just... The, the proliferation of pornography in today's culture and this younger generation is growing up and having such easy access to it and how it's taking a toll on, on our youth. In fact, um, a guy by the name of Gabe Deem was interviewed in this Time article and he said this, he said, porn was as much a part of my adolescence as homework or acne. He said, I would watch porn multiple times a day, every day, but then he goes on to say this, I learned that it was desensitizing me to normal, natural things and that it ultimately robbed me of the one thing I thought it would give me, the ability to experience pleasure. Valerie Voon is a neuroscientist who is also interviewed in this article along with Philip Zimbardo, who's a psychologist at Stanford University. But he, they, they, they go on to say this, porn has the same effect on behavior as a drug addiction does. Some people stop doing much else in favor of pursuing it. It can negatively impact one's job, the ability to enjoy small pleasures, relationships, and even sexual function. And friends, as your pastor, I know some of us are, are struggling with that, and it's, it's become an addiction in our lives. And I just, as a pastor who loves you, I, I want to challenge you to start starving that out of your life. If that's an addiction in your life, it's going to be really hard to make room for things like the love and the joy and the peace that God promises us through his spirit, men and women. 
I know we're struggling with this today, and so I'm speaking to all of us. But my question is, what do you need to start starving out? For others of us, we need to start starving out. We watch way too much TV. Or maybe it's just negative language, or we find ourselves gossiping about people. You know, what is that in your life that you need to start starving out so that you can experience God's best? But this leads to the second strategy, which is I need to, I need to tune into the Spirit. If I'm going to win this battle against and overcome sin tendencies in my life, I, I need to be tuned into the Spirit. And I don't fully understand how this works, but it's something the Bible clearly teaches we need to do. Um, it, it's, I kind of think of one of those old radios, you know, we have an alarm clock radio that's like this where you have to actually turn the dial and it's staticky until you get it just right and then you'll come in with that crystal clear clarity. It takes it work and intentionality to get it. The same is true in our relationship with God. You and I have to learn how to tune into that spirit, what's also called the spirit of Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this in Galatians 5. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, there's this war at us. And he's saying, this war taking place, if we will tune in to the Spirit and let the Spirit guide us, he's saying the, 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 the sinful nature will lose more and more of its power in your life. Uh, many of you know my personal story and where I come from, but I know many of you are newer to Edinburgh and, and you don't. Uh, but I battled drug addiction in my high school years, and... Um, it got so bad that I eventually dropped out of high school. Um, I never finished high school. I did get my GD eventually. But I dropped out because I wanted to do drugs every day, all day. It was a major addiction in my life. And I became a believer. I put my faith in Christ. And I just thought, now I'm not going to have any more struggles or any more addiction in my life. And friends, I just I learned it wasn't true. I became a believer and I still had these struggles. Many of the struggles changed, but I still had these temptations and I learned I had to start fighting this battle and that I had to get intentional. What I learned was I couldn't just coast and say I'm a Christian and think I was going to grow in my relationship with Jesus. So I had to start doing some stuff. I, I started realizing I need to be at church on a regular basis. That was crucial for me where I was at in my life. That needed to be a part of worship services like this where we could worship together and we could be inspired and we could be challenged by God's word. I realized I needed to be part of a community group and have people in my life who could keep me accountable and could help me with things like pornography and could pray for me and people I could depend on to challenge me in my life. I realized I needed to spend more time in God's word and in prayer, because all of these things, they helped me to tune in to that spirit, the, the spirit of God that we're told lives inside of us. I, I had to get intentional. And I just want to ask you the question, what, what maybe do you need to do to help you better tune into the spirit? Do you maybe need to make sure you're at church on a little bit more of a regular basis? Friends, we need to at least be meeting once a week to be inspired in the Word, inspired with worship. Do you maybe need to spend a little more time in prayer and God's Word? I, read, I started reading through the book of Psalms uh, as a young Christian. I guess it changed my life, helped me so much grow in my relationship with God. 
I would encourage you again, if you haven't ever been a part of a community group, sign up this winter. We do this to benefit your life so that you can grow in your relationship with God. I want to just challenge you with that. What is it that you need to do so that you can start tuning more into God's spirit and the good things he has for you? Because friends, as I started doing that, can I tell you what I discovered? As I started feeding the good in my life and I started starving out the bad, what I discovered is that Jesus Christ is better. That the the fruits that came from my relationship with Jesus were better than the promises that my flesh, my sinful nature was telling me it would give. And I started wanting more of that, and I started wanting less of that. Didn't mean I didn't still have struggles. Didn't mean I didn't still sin. But usually when I sinned, it was because I realized I forgot. I forgot that Jesus was better. And that the fruits that came from Jesus were better for my life. More joy, more peace. Growing in my character, more honor as I became a man of integrity. And what steps do you need to take in your life? Well, this morning I'm going to end with this story. Kind of a humorous story. But many years ago, Danielle and I, we took our kids to the, the Mall of America. And we were in that area, the middle area where all the rides are. And we ran into this, this couple, kind of acquaintances of ours. And we're talking to them. My kids are like five years old at the time, four or five, when um, the wife says, uh, excuse me, I hate to have to tell you this, but your son is in the trash can. <laughs> and so we look over, and sure enough, there's Logan. I mean, he's in the trash. His feet are literally sticking out of the air, all right? Sticking out of his trash can into the air. And, of course, we're all exhausted. We're tired. I'm not going to win Father of the, the Year Award here. Um, but I just said, you know what? He's hungry. He's looking for a snack, okay? Um, <laughs> all I could think of to say. After the conversation, we go over and pull Logan out of the trash can. He stunk. He had gunk all over himself. And so we rushed home so we could clean Logan up. I'll tell you that story because, listen, we love our son. We love our kids. Even when they play in the trash, we love our kids. But we also want to clean them up. And friends, if you're in Christ this morning, I need you to hear this. Even if you've been playing in the trash, you need to know God loves you. God cares for you. And Jesus came so that we could be cleaned up. That's good news. And so I'm going to close this out this morning, and I'm just going to pray. This is an opportunity that we could all walk out of here this morning with clean hearts. As I hope, we'll start more and more taking on this battle, taking on this fight to feed the good and starve the bad and to tune into God's spirit. So I'm just going to ask you, would you stand with me and we'll close in a word of prayer. Well, Father, I just want to thank you that you do love sinners like us. And I know there's some this morning, they needed to hear this message. Because many of us, we just have this false idea that you are this God who just casts us off when we mess up, when we sin, when we play in the trash. That's not who you are. And I just pray you would comfort us this morning with the truth that we heard in your word. That we all struggle with sin. We will continue to struggle with sin. And that you love us despite our sin. That's why you say, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And you do this, Lord, so that we can be cleaned up and we don't have to continue living in the trash, but we can grow in our relationship with you. And so knowing that we're going to have future struggles, I just want to pray that right now, God, you would help us to do a better job of feeding the good things in our life, the things that come from you, but starving out the bad. Help us to maybe take action this week. Maybe we need to put some filters on our computers or on our cell phones. Lord, maybe we need to get an accountability partner. Whatever it is, Lord, would you, by your spirit, give us the next steps that we need to take. And Lord, I also want to ask that you would help us to tune better into your spirit so that we experience you more, that we're, we feel closer to you, even when we're struggling in, in our sin. But ultimately, Lord, I just want to pray that through all of this, we would learn more and more about how gracious of a God you are and how much you truly love your children. So help us to walk in that grace, help us to walk in that power, and help us to walk in that love this week. Help us to walk out of here, Lord, cleansed from our sin. Right now, we would just say, God, we are sinners. We need your forgiveness. So cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our hearts and help us to walk out of here clean in your sight because of what Jesus has already done for us. We're going to pray this in his name. Amen. Friends, I love you. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be people up front.